Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. Good morning. I'm excited to be here. Uh, it, it's so cool. Uh, I love how God works all these things together, even just to bring me here. And being able to meet with Dan this summer and talking with him just uh, encourages me even. Uh, so uh, that's just super exciting. I love how he works. Uh, I'm Joshua Kewen. Kewen is how I pronounce it. So, so whenever you see Dan next time and you say, hi, Dan Kewen, he'll be like, what? <laughs> so uh, that'll surprise him. But uh, yeah, no, I'm Dan's nephew. Uh, my dad's name is Scott, and I was born in Loop City, um, central Nebraska, and then we moved out east to uh, Shattern area, like Hay Springs, uh, is where I grew up and graduated from high school. Uh, I wanted to start off this morning with some, some uh, uh, a fact. Every minute, roughly 90 people die and go to a crisis eternity without ever having the chance to ever even hear the gospel in their own language. 90 people per minute. Can you imagine that? That's more than one every second without having a letter of Scripture in their own language. This is a reality. This is today's world. How does that sit in your heart? Going to a Christless eternity 90 people every second without even a chance. And Jesus' last command before he ascended into heaven was go and preach the gospel to all nations, making disciples of all nations. Thank you so much once again for letting me be here. Uh, it's been a couple of years since I've been in contact with Dan, and finally we were able to make it work today, which is super special for me. Uh, today I want to like you said, I want to share with you how God has used events in my life to lead me to where I'm at today and to where I'm going today. And I want to start off with Romans 8:28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good of those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. This verse is talking about the greater good, the final good. It's not circumstantial. Our minds often twist scripture that we can to make us ourselves feel better, right? God's going to make it better. Sure, there's all kinds of benefits of knowing God and having him in your life now, like peace, uh, joy, happiness, patience, forgiveness. Like all of these are so much. But sometimes we, we kind of look towards like, okay, God, my life needs to be easy and this needs to be comfortable and everything. But there's going to be hard times. And in those hard times, we need to read the Bible to remember God's promises. To keep our world from falling apart. In those times, we can depend on God. We can learn from God. We can be comforted by God. Because he uses the good and the bad in our lives to make us more reliant on him, right? Because God is amazing, right? So why, why am I even up here? 
the, the cliche answer would be because God is amazing, right? That's almost even a cop-out answer, I feel like. But So I'm going to tell you about the good and the bad that, has, that God has been using in my life, preparing me for the mo- this moment my whole life. At the age of 12 is when it all, like the beginning of the biggest events in my life. It's when I came to know God as a real, personal, loving, and with me God. Not just one that I pray to or like as a kid and you sit by your bed and pray. Like this was like with me and I'll explain that a little bit. I had been diagnosed with a cancerous brain tumor. It was in the center of my brain causing my brain to swell. I needed emergency surgery to avoid brain damage, and even avoid death. So the night before, my father came to me, like any good dad would, and he asked me, if this doesn't work out, do you know if you're going to heaven? Do you want to ask that to your 12-year-old kid? If you die tomorrow, do you know if you're going to heaven? And it, like, this was reality. This sunk into my heart. And I knew John 3.16 at this point, so I could say, yeah, But really, being at the point of death, it becomes real. It becomes really real. The Bible calls it peace that passes all understanding. I could feel God's presence with me. 1 John 1, like you could hear him, you could touch him, you could taste, like he's there. And I knew everything was going to be all right. After six week-long sessions of chemotherapy and six constant weeks of radiation, I seemed to be back to normal, but not for long. A year and a half later, I was diagnosed with another cancerous brain tumor. And the only shot I had at living was this new, strongest type of chemotherapy that was being tested by some other individuals. I was to be a lab rat, and that was my only chance at life. But I had God. After eight week-long sessions of chemotherapy, weeks in the ICU, countless spinal taps, countless MRIs, countless blood transfusion, and eight constant weeks of radiation, they said I was a miracle. Praise God, right? The 13th patient to ever make it into remission from the Denver Children's Hospital with the kind of cancer that I had. And I was the very first one that could still walk. Praise God, right? God taught me to rely on him for every minute. Every minute. And he taught me that there's nothing, nothing more important than the relationship with him. And there's nothing in this world that can even measure up or even compare. And I didn't realize it in that time, but God was preparing me for the future. God led me on through high school, through an associate's degrees, Two years of working at a grain elevator and three years at Walmart. God was continually preparing me to give up everything to serve him. And in 2014, it all came together. I was on a mission trip in Argentina uh, with my friend, and it was a mission training conference. There was 3,000 participants and like 500,000 volunteers, and there was three bathrooms. It was 110 degrees outside. And for some reason, they put the gringos in charge of the bathrooms, of cleaning them 
and handing out toilet paper because the showers are in the bathrooms and they don't flush the toilet paper, so it got a little messy. So they put us in charge of that. And at that, like, just being able to serve there and being able to, uh, yeah, serve God and be able to talk to the people in the little Spanish I knew, God was calling me. There, God brought me to a point in my life that I was ready to sell my job and give up everything I own just to continue serving him. God filled my heart to the point of explosion, and I didn't want to give that up. I love that feeling, just serving God, and I didn't want it to go back home and fade into the busyness of life like it had done so many times before. So five months later, I sold all my stuff, quit my job, and I moved to Costa Rica with that same mission. In Costa Rica, I led lots of different mission trips uh, and helped out with different conferences, mobilizing youth like the one that I had been called in. And God encouraged so many people uh, through the testimony that he had done in my life. After three years in Costa Rica, God opened up the doors for me to come back to the U.S. and actually get some Bible study in um, because I had left with just a testimony and what God had done in my life. And God used that but I needed, I needed more. I needed more scripture to be more effective and to be able to communicate better. He led me to the Ethnos 360 Bible Institute. You might know it as New Tribes. It used to be called New Tribes, but four years ago, five years ago, they switched it to Ethnos 360. And that meant all the ethnicities around the whole world because some of them had been moving into towns and they weren't necessarily tribes anymore. So, like, it's just all-encompassing. And within the first two months at the Ethnos 360 Bible Institute, I heard about the roughly 6,000 unreached people groups around the world. 6,000. And then real-life stories from missionaries. God made it obvious to me that tribal church planning was the direction he wanted me to go. I want to share with you one of the real stories that a missionary told in my class that God used to pave the way. Years ago in Africa, there was a man named Ron Yearwood working with his language helper, Seni, to learn the language and the culture of the people group before he could teach. Ron grew close to Seni, and every time he had a question, he'd go to Seni and say, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? Oh, there's this event going on. What are they doing? Can you explain this to me? Uh, so whenever it came time for Ron to develop the lessons to teach to the people, he went to Seni. Because we, we developed the lessons to make sure they make sense before we even communicate them with the rest of the people. So he went to Seni. And went through the first couple teachings. And uh, Seni was like, wow. This is, this, this, this makes sense. Like our language, uh, you know, uh, their stuff doesn't always make sense. But this is so true. As, as Ron continued to the lessons where... There's a promised redeemer. He's like, oh, who is this redeemer? Who is it? Is it Muhammad? And Ron's like, let the Bible tell the story, you know. And so they go on and on. And they get to Nicodemus and say uh, about the story about being born again. And Sandy's like, I believe this. I want this. This is true. I believe this. Ron, how long ago did this happen? Five years ago? And Ron's like. Five years ago, he's, 
why do you say that? He goes, well, you guys came four years ago, right? So it must have happened five years ago. Ron was like, no, 2,000 years ago. Senny just lost all expression. He says, 2,000 years ago? And you're just now bringing this message to us? Why did it take so long? Why? Ron didn't have an answer. I don't have an answer. The Bible says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The uh, initial vision statement for New Tribe's mission back in 1943, I think they still hold on to it, and they still, it still rings true. And I actually have it as a background on my computer. But it says, by unflinching determination, we hazard our lives and gamble all for Christ until we have reached the last tribe, regardless of where that might be. The Ethnos 360 training program that I got into is two years of Bible school and two years at the Mission Training Center. At the Mission Training Center, you go through a series of classes that help gain an understanding of all the little steps that you need uh, for church planting. For example, uh, like learning their culture and the importance of learning the culture and all the little things that go into that before you even start teaching or before you start translating and all that. And uh, there's actually, they have a huge circle that's a big picture and it has every little step uh, as if they were like, it went that way, and I have some, uh, like, the strategy behind all of it. I wrote a 20-page paper about it, uh, and I can hand those out at the end, like, to if you're interested. That's got all my information and all that stuff in it. But you can see the picture of how each step works, and we had a class on each one. And along with those classes, we learned about animism, paternalism, like, just so much stuff that goes into making sure that the gospel is communicated plainly so that they can understand it. And upon graduating from the Mission Training Center, I decided that I needed to take a tech program with Wise Council. Uh, the tech program consisted of electricity, solar panels, batteries, welding, heating and cooling, like different things that would, that would help me to continue being in the tribe once I get there. And also... It would help me to be able to teach the tribal people and to be able to be with them and be able to spend more time with them even before I knew how to speak their language. To show the love of Christ so that they would be more likely to listen to my message. So with, why did I choose Brazil? So why Brazil? Obviously through God's guidance, and a lot, a lot, a lot of prayer. And the time that I lived in Costa Rica, I just came to love the Latin American people. I loved the food. I loved the weather. And I loved the idea of being so far away from the city. There's just something about living primitively. And, oh yeah, Brazil has a very big need for missionaries. In Brazil, there's over 300,000 Indians they're divided into 344 different language groups. People 
from people representing 180 languages, okay? So out of the 180 languages, only seven have the whole Bible in their language. Seven. 37 of them have the New Testament. That means that 164 of the 180 languages have less than a quarter of the Bible in their language. And most of them not even a letter. So their Bible is nothing but a blank book. Many couldn't even, if they wanted to, find a Christian to talk about Jesus with. Romans 10, 14 comes to my heart every time I think about unreached people groups. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching it to them? And how can someone go if they are not sent? In the words of Isaiah, here I am, send me. In the transition to the field of West Brazil, I'm in the process that they call partnership development right now. Kind of between finishing and going to Brazil. I'm developing partners that will be praying and supporting from the U.S. And that partnering and taking the gospel to Brazil, to an unreached people group in Brazil. It takes a team to accomplish such a large goal in such a large period of time. But hopefully, it'll start a ripple of changed lives from generation to generation in a tribe to tribe in the Amazon. While building prayer and financial partners right now, I'm working on applying for a visa for Brazil. And once my visa is accepted, I'll be able to buy a plane ticket and fly down there. And once I get there, Oh, I'm just so excited to be able to be there and to be able to learn Portuguese, learn the language, and start learning the way of doing things in Brazil. I'll be, uh, initially, I'll move to Vianopolis, which is south central, like uh, Brasilia area, the capital. Anyway, there I'll be learning Portuguese in the Brazilian culture. So that, that's basically the trade language that I'll use once I move into the tribe to be able to learn the tribal language. But anyway, while I'm down there, I'll be trying to build a team of people that complement my ability. I would say abilities, but I don't know if I have more than one. Uh, but anyway, building a team that of, like, usually it's three family groups to move into the tribe. And the leadership will be coming, and they'll be presenting different, different tribal works that are asking for missionaries. Because there's people all over the world, people groups that are asking for missionaries because they see the change that's happened in other tribal groups. So we'll come together and we'll decide and then I'll come back to the U.S. for a couple of months and then move into the tribal group. But finally, the day will come when I'll be able to move into that chosen community. By then, I'll have six years of official Bible training and a lifetime of experiences. I can imagine now as the boat or the helicopter, I'm, I'm guessing it's a boat, will be taken off and just leaving us there. The feeling will be pure joy. The emptiness of everything that the world has to offer with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It's a feeling that the words cannot describe. I've experienced it before. 
And then the work begins. For the first five to seven years, me and my team will be learning language and culture just so we can communicate it correctly. That seems like a long time, right? Five to seven years. But we want to learn the beliefs, the understandings, everything that their heart like tells them to do that they can't even explain. And we won't be able to fully understand that without doing life with them. Five to seven years, though, won't they lose interest? No. Our testimony, God's testimony in our lives, how we live our lives, how we carry ourselves, how we react when things go wrong, all these things point to God. In the light that we shine, even before we can speak a word in their language, makes them interested, draws them to him. The importance of his message. One of our teachers always taught, people don't know how much you care until they, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Basically, love is the testimony for Christ, right? As all Christians, love is the driving force of Christianity. But God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. As I have loved, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. And then the verse this morning was perfect. If I speak in tongues of men or angels, but I do not love, I'm only the resounding or the clanging of a cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor or give my body over to be burned, but do not love, I gain nothing. From the very second we step into the tribe in Brazil, Ministry becomes life. And the only way that I can correctly communicate Christ to an unreached people group in the middle of the Amazon jungle is by doing life on them and by loving them and showing them the love of Christ. And we are, when we finally get to the end, when we're finished teaching and they see that we have been living out this truth the whole time, it's going to impact them all the more. Once the language and culture is mastered, we can develop the lessons from God's story. God's talk is what most tribal people call it. We go chronologically through the story of the Bible. Because the Bible is one story, right? And we pull truths about God, about man, and about Satan, and about Jesus out. Building a foundation on who God is first. Before we even make it to the skull crusher. And those truths will plug the holes in their belief system or it'll make holes in their belief system. Drawing out God's truth, building on God, we want to give them an understanding of who God is, man's sin problem, need for a savior, and the pro God's promise to fix it. Then, 
after Jesus comes, the promised one comes and dies and resurrected to make us right with God. Hopefully, we will have believers for the very first time in a people group in the middle of the Amazon jungle. Right now, they have zero chance. So hopefully, one day, we'll have those believers. And I'm excited for that day. I can't even imagine. But after that, we call that phase one. After we have some believers, then we go through again. And we dig deeper into God's word of what living a Christian life, living a following God looks like in the faith and understanding that believers should have and need. And hopefully then we'll be sharing with surrounding tribes and God's word will be spreading, not just the one little tribe in the middle of the Amazon, but to different surrounding tribes. And slowly I'll be passing off the the teaching. So like we go through the whole Bible one time. They have an understanding of what that is. They've seen me teach it. Now next time we go through, they're going to help me teach it. And then when we go to the, the next tribe over, they're going to be teaching it. So slowly I'm going to be passing off the re, uh, responsibilities on them so that they're teaching. And we'll be uh, like us as uh, missionaries. We'll be translating the Bible into their language um, the best that we can so that they have the Bible to look for answers. So that their leadership can look to the Bible for answers and not to the gringos. And then one day, hopefully, for the first time in the history of the world, we can present to them a Bible in their own heart language. <laughs> uh, where the Lord leads after that, I can only imagine. But as always, where he leads, I will follow. And I'm sure along this process, I'm going to mess it up multiple, multiple times. But I know that God will be with us the whole way. Thank you for listening to this drawn-out plan of where God's leading. And I would appreciate your prayers every step of the way. I couldn't do any part of it without any this incredible support system God is building here in the U.S. And this process doesn't take even 5 to 10 years. It's most likely going to take 15 to 20. So in the end, is it worth it? There's only two things that last forever. God's word and the souls of men. So is there any better investment? Let me close in prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this message that you've presented, dear Lord, and just the heart that you've given me for these people and just so many other missionaries that are um, willing to go uh, to the depths of the jungle or to India or to wherever it is, dear Lord, um, where your people are asking for your word. And I praise you, um, yeah, just for this opportunity to be able to speak and be able to share your story. And I pray that uh, the people can seek you and eat all the more through it. I praise you for what you've done in my life, and I just pray that it can encourage others to seek you more. And we ask this all in your heavenly name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you are able to join us in worship again soon. To stay up to date with all of Bethlehem Covenant Church programs and events, head to bccwaverly.org.